Hello everybody, my name's Maya Knights and I'll be your moderator today for our Future of Work Technology and Investments panel and I'm joined by a fabulous uh, set of panellists um, and end-user practitioners who are here today to talk about um, the subject which is the top of mind really, especially given the fact that we are all uh, working from home um, and what the impact of the last few months has had on the future of work. Um, there's been so much change and we're here to discuss how technology is going to enable that. Um, and I've got some great questions for our panellists. I'd like to kick off with one about the new rules of technology investment, given that we are all working from home and living in the cloud now. Maybe I can turn to um, Phil. Phil, can you kick us off? What are those new rules of technology investment? What are you seeing in your space? Yeah, and, and thank you for uh, thank you for being able to participate. I think it's a it's obviously a fascinating uh, time. The last six months, um, we're all still still adjusting to um, what those new technology rules might be. I think in terms of investments, I think it's really interesting to watch uh, my colleagues across the industry do um, a much greater level of rigor on on you know what money gets spent on and when. Clearly, obviously, reaction to COVID, money got spent fairly quickly, fairly freely, but um, since then, people started to just be a bit more rigorous. Um, a lot of the investments, I think, are uh, qualifying themselves as sort of 12 to 18 months investments rather than over two to three years. So it's about digital and cyber uh, in many cases. Um, and I think they're getting quite a quite a strong um, kind of strong drive on, on the sort of investment profile that gets approved. Um, benefits are being tracked on those programs much more um, rigorously than perhaps they would have been in the past. So there's a, a much shorter term um, focus sharper art return on investment on the technologies that uh, are getting invested in in certainly in, in my experience in the last six or so months so that's my sort of perspective on on life at the moment um, for those new technology investments slightly different slant on what what phil said there um the yes the initial response was um rather than the rules have changed the the shackles are off um, and there's a large amount of investment being being made that maybe wasn't made before. I think as things um, stabilise, and I'm not going to use the phrase new normal, but as we, we stabilise and get a better understanding of, of the situation we're operating in now, I think the controls are coming back and the visibility is coming back but equally well, um, that means the profile is much higher. There's a much greater interest, there's a much greater pull up through the organisation rather than it, it being pushed down and nobody too sure um, what the spend was on or maybe very much seen as an overhead. It, it's now very much being pushed to the fore. Yes, yes, absolutely. I can see how that's no longer a cost centre, particularly with us all living digitally, that's definitely resulted in a higher profile. Um, Eleanor, are you seeing anything similar from your perspective? Well, equally, I think the, the, the speed of adoption, more on the consumer side, um, that had to speed up a lot. So that turns my research on emerging tech that sometimes goes three to five years ahead, um, coming much closer. To us. So that has been very interesting because by investing in emerging technology research in a future plan three to five years time, uh, we are ready to catch up the opportunities of things that are speeding up. But on the other hand, it also means internally more investment in upskilling. I think that's very, very important. And even changing um, 
or HR system or the HR framing of the people we are looking for in the future, people that we might want to know they have more resilience and flexibility. We might uh, want to know that they have a variety of interests and they can have a lifelong learning approach to their career and a self-taught approach to their career. That has been important for us to also realize. And then um, another thing is with remote work, uh, we have come across uh, things that you might not expect in terms of um, the legalities of international remote working. So if someone says, well, why don't I just move to Spain and keep working for you? Actually, it's not that straightforward or moving the tech teams to, to other locations or expanding tech teams that we had in other locations like, like India or, or Eastern Europe um, in Sofia, how, yeah, how those could grow. Yes, I mean, that's, that's very, very interesting. I mean, considering that people are practically living in the cloud nowadays, the, the points you raise about data governance as regard to GDPR and the like are, are so crucial and, and, and so important. Um, Chris, have you any thoughts? Um, well, just sort of based on some of the observations we're seeing with our customers around the world, um, a lot of them are having to uh, really tear up their long-term or fixed strategies and bring in a lot more dynamic and flexible approach. Um, so, you know, so for example, um, how do you actually support the technology of your uh, professionals when they're when they're home working? Um, that 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 completely changes how you're going to be operating your um, your office infrastructure and your your uh, your estate of um, uh, of meeting rooms and um, places where people are supposed to be supposed to be coming uh, together. So um, I think there's a lot of change. You know, the rules, so to speak, are kind of going out the window. I think people have to be much more dynamic, flexible, and just sort of really deal with the issues on the day in order to try to keep their organisation operationally um, running and, and efficient. I mean, yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I don't know if any of you want to jump in on the points Chris made there in terms of the rules going out of the window, or perhaps um, Julie's observations about the, the, the loss of control and visibility that potentially can happen. And Julie, would you like to maybe expand on, on how you are maintaining that uh, high level of control and visibility? There's, there's that, Paul, people working in completely different ways, working from home, apparently isolated, um, but in actual fact, able then to create new networks and new groups, new teams. Um, and, and they're doing that um, organically. The criticality of the underpinning technology, all of the digital services, whether it's just delivering um, the day-to-day -day services or it's being more innovative, that can't be ignored anymore. It is, it is front and centre to every single conversation, whether it relates to things like security. Again, there's no argument now around investment in security or people following the rules on what, um, how to keep their, their devices and services secure. That criticality is there. So I, I think there's a, there's a tension um, between those two things. But I think both of them will, will ultimately go in the right direction. I think they can be moved, moved together. So we get a positive change in the way people, people work. Um, and also, from our point of view as CIOs, is sort of in, increased investment and value in, in what we do. 
Yes, yes, excellent. Uh, you can see that emerging from um, our increasing reliance on, on digital technologies. Uh, I think if I could take us back to our original starting um, point uh, where the question was around technology investments, uh, we've seen so much innovation um, arguably more innovation in the last few months than we have seen in the last few years. I wondered if I could get um, some of you to reflect on whether that's had an impact on the way that you're investing in technology, whether or not it's um, sped up the decision-making process or whether or not it's, it's affected the types of technology um, platforms um, that, you're, that you're looking to acquire, um, potentially, again, with the, the rise of cloud. Uh, something that frustrates me usually is when I know a technology is ready and the price is ready and the quality is ready, uh, it kills me that it's actually human factors most of the time that what stops the adoption or what, what delays the adoption. And, and it takes a, a big crisis like this for people to, you know, eliminate some of the barriers, especially bureaucratical barriers or anything in decision making within within institutions um, and companies, um, to actually say let's do it. So so I've been we've been interviewing um, uh, a lot of uh, professionals and, and CIOs and CTOs, and they have felt actually liberated, which has been fascinating to hear. We felt liberated that we had a white card, you know, that we could just. Uh, do what we always wanted to do, but there was too many barriers before. So how um, to realize, to show everybody that many times technology is blocked by human factors more than the tech itself. Um, it has been good, I think, for people to realize and hopefully take that on in the future. The really interesting thing about the roles I've done over the last sort of 10 or 15 years is they've all had a very um, tight timeline on them for one reason or another, a whole variety of reasons. And I think that I've operated in a space which is similar to the last six months in COVID. So you do tend to move at pace. Budgets are slightly freer in some cases. Um, some of the red tape is relaxed in some of the things that I've done um, in my career. So I've been very fortunate to work in organisations that have had to do something very quickly for a whole, whole variety of different reasons. I think if I reflect, if I stand back from two or three of those um, without naming any names, if you look over a sort of two to three year period what you tend to see is a huge amount of activity in the six to 12 month window and then you you kind of see two year two year three you kind of see people just settle it settling back a little bit so the elastic sort of contracts slightly and people sort of start to just slightly move back to how they used to be so and there's a bit of how do we as an, as an industry as a bunch of cios and, and leaders go through and make sure that that pace continues to, to eleanor's point um even even harder that people are working remote. So Julie, you mentioned about people being isolated and Eleanor, you mentioned about people sort of wanting to go and work in a different country and then sort of remote work from there. And all those things combined make it quite a complex problem, um, which you know people have found a taste for working remotely in the, in the countryside or in a different country or you know from a different place. And keeping that going is gonna be really, really challenging. It's not for me, looking at what I've done the last few years, as I say, it's not about the six to 12 months it's about the year two, year three, and how you keep it going through through there. And you know, let's all let's all pray that you know they find a, a vaccine and a, a set of circumstances that work for COVID in the next few months. But um, on the assumption they don't, then we really do have to adjust for the long term on on this. If if they do, then hopefully things will 
move back slightly to what we were more used to and we can innovate together rather than remotely because it is i think harder in some cases to innovate remotely so yeah interesting is that about that three-year window rather than the six-month window for me in my experiences yeah, there's been some very interesting challenges in the last uh, six to eight months, to say the least. So where we sit as a, effectively as a, an endpoint, man, you know, manufacturer of endpoint devices, which sit in the mix um, between our sort of Fortune 500 customers and the uh, major codec vendors such as uh, Cisco and uh, Microsoft and Zoom. It's been very interesting to see the challenges that they're trying to navigate as we're trying to sort of support companies' operations as they migrate and flex during this uh, rather unusual, uh, rather unusual period, you know, so for example, um, you know, we've seen organizations, particularly major finance uh, uh, banks, and so on, where they've had to sort of look at their operations in Wall Street, or um, here in the city, okay, how can we have a third of our people working in the front office, a third of the people in the back office location, a third of them working from home, and how can we actually have a flexible and seamless organization, making sure that everyone can interact in those types of environments. Uh, and also, we've seen the, you know, the focus on, um, you know, how do we actually get network resilience and security in place with with everyone working remotely? So I think, you know, we've a lot of people were still migrating from Skype for Business to Teams. That's had to be accelerated. A lot of people um, have adopted Zoom coming in from the consumer end. And then it's having to, I mean, Zoom, to be fair to them, have done an amazing job in terms of scaling up and rapidly addressing some of the initial security problems. So all of these things are um, sort of in are, are in are in flex and in play at the moment. And so it's been just... You know, fascinating to see how organisations are having to pivot to to support these new sort of technology challenges, but also these new human and organisational challenges as we adapt to all this. And I think a lot of it's going to stick. I think I don't think we're kind of one and done with this. I don't think we're going to go back entirely. You know, even five years now, going to go back to what life was like in 2019. But even when we get back to whatever normal is going to be, I think there's going to be a lot that we've learned in this period, which is going to make everyone much more efficient in the longer run. Beholden on on us, um, I suggest to not only um, deliver these services that allowed our organisations to continue to operate, but we do have that opportunity if we have any spare time um, to to push forward on some of these more innovative ideas. Um, and as Elena was saying, some of the things that we haven't had the chance to do before. I think we should really push those things forward um, and and also deliver things be seen not only just to be able to cope but be seen to deliver real things that made a step change in in value um, and I think it's time for us to be to be writing our own stories um, and saying look look what we did you need us we should be always sitting there at that top table and once we're there at the top table I, I think that's then hard for them to sort of push us out or, or forget about our, our importance so so I think we own that to to create those stories. But I suppose as regards 2020 have you had to shift your focus um, onto different or new solutions or have you been um, forced to focus on, on more core ones. I mean, and also when you think about that spare time that you mentioned, do you have that spare time to look at emerging solutions? And how do you stay up to date now that vendor events aren't happening um, and perhaps, you know, you're not being able to stay in as good a contact with your your key technology partners? What are your thoughts? Well, in the, in the last year at the Food Standards Agency, um, we're, we're 
blessed with with two incidents that are effectively running at the moment. One is COVID-19 and the other is the end of the EU transition period. So we've got both of those which are proving to be big external pushes for, for us. Our response, I'm not sure whether we went into this um, by, by design, but um, we've got very much um, the main um, underpinning tooling, those, those collaboration tools, all of the, this tech that just allows people to operate, pushed really, really hard on that, made it as simple as possible, engaged with the users. And, and some of that is, is relatively straightforward, but it's about keeping it simple, it's um, listening, it's, it's all of those things that you would normally normally do. And I think less in the middle ground, but then at the more innovative end of things, um, we now have got many people who are very interested in trying to predict the future. Um, and from our point of view, maybe the future horizon was three years out. Um, now it's it's sort of three weeks away. Um, whether it's businesses changing what they're doing, food arriving from from different countries with with different challenges. So we've got real business um, risks changing. And so much of what we're doing is actually in the data space where we are being innovative, looking at how we might apply AI um, and any other ways of looking at and using using data. And I think we're sort of consciously sort of separating the two out, the, the latter being really, truly innovative, getting a small maybe group of people around the table who can operate in that space the majority of just getting the basics right keeping it simple but always making sure it's meeting the user need and it's always always there fantastic thank you julie that's absolutely fascinating and turning to elena as i said um particularly given elena the fact that you spend a lot of your time talking to technology companies and have mentioned being frustrated by um, the slow pace of adoption um, how do you stay at the cutting edge again given the fact that we're all working remotely and those networking opportunities just aren't happening as naturally as they they used to be um, where's your focus lie now and how are you coping with staying on keeping your finger on the pulse I think another another learning that is usually more attached to emerging tech research than innovation. So I call innovation the more short term and emerging tech the more long term. Um, so before, um, yeah, I was mentioning uh, the the idea that things are speeding up. But another um, another concept that I think teams should integrate more when they're developing new products, for example, is that when we're looking in emerging tech, we have to balance out what we get from consumers feedback, what we learn from them, and what our experts believe the future is like. By always um, parallelly matching what the consumer, what we feel it needs by the everyday behavior, we are missing out on true innovations that not even the consumer can imagine. And that is something that it's more done in emerging tech research than in, than in day-to-day innovation. Um, and, and you cannot have um, your usual target market that was is more easier to, to identify or to put in a box. That, that's changing. So it's important to have uh, good ex- experts that can foresee the things before even the, compu- the, the consumer um, shows these reactions. 
people spending more time at home are shaping better their personal values as well. So there's going to be new habits and then a mind shift that goes with that. Um, and I think uh, society as a whole, if I'm not too utopian, it's, it's, um, it has shifted the values in, in positive ways as caring more for communities, caring more for environments and so on. And this, uh, this impact, uh, the investments that, that we do, when we look in terms of how we run the business, then we also have two areas that are important. There is the cultural side that has been deeply been disrupted, the cultural side of how you run your business um, because of remote working. And then there is the efficiency on the other side. So for that in emerging tech, uh, we are embracing VR and, and AR and other immersive technologies for, to, to provide a more human and engagement, uh, engaging side to the way we work. Uh, and for the efficiency, the concepts of digital twins and, and AI are really helpful as well. So yeah, I think I agree. I think everything that's been said, I think the, uh, the build I'd have probably as you mentioned also about sort of, you know, vendor relationships in terms of social distancing and, um, and those kinds of things. I think the really interesting thing for us is that we, uh, we've probably strengthened our relationships right at the beginning of COVID in a way that I don't think I ever would have uh, imagined um, we've been able to do so fast. Um, so I, I was able to, uh, I have two or three major vendors who support us across two different continents beyond Europe. In both cases, we had their entire team working at home inside about a fortnight. Um, historically, the business had always said, no, we wouldn't enable that at home working overseas for a variety of security perceived reasons. Um, and yet we were able to find, um, that's more practical is the, uh, the best way to put it, but more practical ways of allowing that to happen um, by moderating the way we did certain business processes and certain data flows and allowed a thousand people in two continents that were um, equally as uh, heavily impacted as, as, as Europe was um, right at the start. And that's led, I think, uh, to a, level, a, different, a different level of working, different level of trust, uh, different level of openness in those conversations. Um, maintaining those relationships is slightly harder you know quite often you know we would be on a plane to uh to india for example on a, on a fairly regular basis um, that's unlikely to happen certainly anytime in the next sort of six to nine months i would think um and therefore i think to maintain those relationships we had to sort of over index in exactly the same way as organizations now do when you hire someone new into the organization you have to over index on the onboarding of those um those new people and we've over-indexed in the same way with our vendor relationships to, to sort of get us through the, the sort of the new way of working um, and, and just maintain more, almost more personal relationships, you know, deliberately invest time on video technologies, video collaboration technologies to, to talk to people um, about their families and about what's happening in, in their country and their region. Yeah, a little bit of a shift change, not just with the internal teams, but also with people working for us overseas um yeah just moments in time just to check in on people and make sure they're comfortable so it's changed culturally what we used to be a slightly arm's length relationship to something's a bit closer uh, and a bit more personable you know it, it, yes of course you have to listen to your existing customers but also you have to listen to new customers the people you actually want to acquire as customers you actually have to look at what's actually coming out of your labs what's actually coming out of your innovation things which are actually going to take play people in places which they may not even know would be possible at the moment. You actually have to look at overall what's the industry doing and also what's actually happening in, in, in other markets. Um, so just to give an example of that, um, we're seeing a lot of um, 
bringing a lot of innovation into areas such as actually more and more software, which actually will behave intuitively. So that when you walk into a meeting room, it'll recognize who you are, it'll recognize the meeting you're about to have, um, and it will actually set up and run without you having to dive into your um, your control panel to try to fire the, to try to fire the thing up which I'm, I think we're all familiar with those challenges from time to time, bringing in more and more touchless technology. So actually bringing in things from um, other other industries so that, you know, you don't need to actually go in and physically touch equipment. You know, there's lots of innovation happening in that area. Um, and the other big area is actually wireless. So actually you don't have to be running lots of cables. And although I'm on a wired headphones today, you know, we, you know, obviously there are, there are wireless options. Um, you know, um, you know. For example, we've actually brought technology from when we support events, big shows, things like you know Super Bowl halftime or big sporting event, and actually bring that into um, uh, into conferencing and discussion systems, so that when people come into a meeting, they can all each have, be be communicating with each other wirelessly um, using that same you know robust wireless technology. So there's lots and lots of parallels you can bring in, which aren't necessarily driven by customers asking for stuff, but driven by your insights from a whole variety of different different um, industries and um, and capabilities. Yes, of course, absolutely. Necessity being the mother of all invention. Um, well, thank you for your comments. I mean, I've been absolutely mesmerised by some of the, 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 the thoughts you've shared, the examples. Um, and of course, I think we've covered off the major technologies that you're looking at when we uh, discussed uh, that question about future focus. Um, but before I let you go, I wondered if any of you had any last thoughts you'd like to share. I mean, I just think from, from my perspective, from my, it's, it's really interesting, obviously it's a really interesting time. Um, I think there's a fascinating sort of, you know, um, um, competing position between investing for the future, bringing forward innovation, enabling remote working, um, enabling all the collaboration piece. But actually, I think there's a, a lot of the organisations that want to track faster, certainly some of the ones I've worked with in the last five or 10 years, have actually got quite a lot of uh, legacy, both business process and technology uh, in the estate. And this is a great opportunity to clean some of that away as well um because otherwise you know the faster you go forward the more you're dragging behind you so um yeah i think a really interesting time to, to deal with both the old and the new um in the next sort of year or two yes i agree absolutely this is uh, unfortunately such an opportunity for us and as cios we just need to really really grasp it um and and make sure uh that we take forward what we think is really valuable and, and not lose the opportunity. Um, but maybe come back in a year or so's time and, and see what is it that um, we actually do. What is it that actually does survive um, into something that's vaguely normal? No, I just say, let's just all keep smiling. We'll get through this in the end, um, somehow or other, you know, but it's a very exciting time to say the least or a very you know challenging and difficult time, but at least it's not, uh, it's never dull. Yes, of course, we're rising to that challenge. Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed hearing your thoughts and um, really, really appreciate you sharing your experiences with us today. So with that, thanks to Phil, Chris, Julie and Eleanor. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for watching. Goodbye.